So why is it we view people and treat people the way that we do? There's got to be something a little deeper going on under the surface that plays into those dynamics, right? Or maybe a more significant question would be this. Why is it that I view myself the way I do, particularly when it comes to faith? We'll say things like this, like I could never be loved by God because I've done fill in the blank. Uh, I could never be appreciated or cared for uh, by God because of my past. Like there's all these things that, that we'll throw out as excuses for why God could never care about us. And man, I don't buy all that stuff. See, we're going to talk about that today. Let's, let's jump in. Well, uh, this week or maybe last week, I stumbled across a viral video of sorts, and it was just like a normal dude, just a guy like you, uh, me, uh, and he was making some sort of like social commentary on the status of the U.S. right now. And again, just a normal guy, not some professor or some, you know, deep thinker or whatever, but I thought it was really significant, the simple things that he was saying. And so I'm going to kind of rip it off and put my own spin on it, but essentially he did this. He talked talked about how uh, there is a difference, obvious difference, but let's dig a little deeper, between like small town USA and big city USA. And so let me try and walk this out for just a minute. Uh, small town USA, uh, I think it's pretty, we can all agree on this, there's less diversity in a small town USA type situation, right? Uh, there's going to be less racial diversity. There's less ethnic diversity. There's less uh, political diversity, probably. There's less socioeconomic diversity. In small town USA, for the most part, generally speaking, most of us kind of fit into uh, a box of sorts. Okay. And so I would argue that that's probably not the best thing because here's sort of a negative byproduct of that is that it's hard to empathize with people that you've never bumped shoulders with. It's hard to like, to really put yourselves in the shoes of someone that you've never like, like actually seen, right? It's hard to, to really feel what they're feeling if you've never actually been connected to an individual. And so that's probably not the best thing, but Here's a cool thing about small town USA is if you, you break down on the side of the road, you get a flat tire. Uh, there's going to be four cars that pull over there to help you change your flat tire, right? And here's the good thing about small town USA. If you're checking out at the grocery store and you put all your stuff up on the thing and you're checking out and your total's like 200 bucks or whatever, and then you go to reach for your wallet and you pull it out and you're trying to pay and then you realize, oh, I forgot my debit card. That got it. The sweet little lady in line behind you is like, oh, don't you worry about it, baby. I got you, right? That's the beauty of small town USA. Now let's talk about the big city. Let's talk about, let's just say New York for uh, just, just, you know, it's like the token big city. Now I've been to New York a couple times and here's the things that I noticed about New York. The second you get on the subway, the second you get there, like you just notice it immediately. It is diversity everywhere, right? You've got, you've got the black folks, you've got the white folks, you've got the Hispanic folks, you've got every, all sorts of diversity. You've got different races, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different political points of view, different socioeconomic points of view. And it's just like, boom, just crazy crammed in there. Just everybody kind of wedged in there. And I would say, again, that's probably a good thing because what you see is that there are a lot of people rubbing shoulders with other people and, and we're able to sort of empathize and able to uh, have a better understanding of people from other backgrounds because of this, this simple, uh, you know, we're all together. But here's the downside of big city USA. Here's the downside of New York City, right? If you break down on the side of the road in New York City, nobody's stopping to help you 
right? Because in big city, everybody's going 100 miles an hour. The pace is going so fast. It's, it's just the rat race, right? In big city USA, if you go and you got all your groceries up on the thing, and as you're, you're getting ready to pay, and you reach for your wallet, and you're like, okay, and, and you're going to pay, and you realize, I, I don't have my debit card. Everybody behind you, no one's helping you pay. You're going to get cussed out by the white guy in line. You're going to get cussed out by the black guy. All sorts of diversity is going to be cuss, cussing you out, Right? There's good and there's bad in whatever context someone might grow up in. Now, here's why I say all that. See, last week I made this statement. If you watched online or if you were with us in person, I made this statement. I said that we are who we are because of what we were taught. But here's what I also, uh, as I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about this. That's true, but it's not the full statement. We are who we are because of what we are taught, but this is also true. We are who we are because of the context that we exist in and the context that we grew up in. Meaning this, you see people the way you do because of the place you grew up, whether big city or small city or whatever. You see people, you view people you, because of your context. And so I thought we could sort of play a fun game to get us started uh, here this morning. Um, Again, just to kind of unpack this a little bit. Before we do, I just want to say this one more time. You are who you are because of the context that you exist in or that you grew up in or that you live in. Like that's the, and here's the really difficult thing. In order for us to really see people the way Jesus wants us to see people and really view people, really treat people the way Jesus wants us to treat people, sometimes we've got to do really hard work to sort of change that point of view. And so let's, let's do this really quick. I just want to do a little like social experiment. I just want to see what your background is, what your context is, and I promise this is all going somewhere, okay? Uh, so here's the deal. Let's start with this, okay? We'll do a, this one will be easy, okay? So if you grew up, if you grew up uh, in a big city of some sort, now I know we don't right now exist in like a big city necessarily, but uh, maybe you grew up in like uh, downtown Canton or you grew up in Cleveland or maybe Akron or something like that or maybe Columbus or wherever. If you grew up in some sort of big city uh, context, I just want you to raise your hand really quick. Can you just do that for me? All right, so a few of you. If you grew up in, uh, let's just say, like suburbia-type context, uh, just raise your hand really quick, okay? Kind of middle class, uh, okay? If you grew up in, like, a farming community, if that's where you grew up, so uh, a.k.a., let's just say, Louisville, Ohio, okay? All right? Now, I just want to say this for a moment, too. The rumors are that I'm in a relationship right now with someone who uh, lives in Louisville, and those rumors are true. But I also, I want to say this really quick. Everyone thinks it's so funny, man, to pick on me about that, but all it's done is confirm everything I've ever said about y'all. We were this summer, we were sitting around the fire in her backyard and we're sitting, she lives in a neighborhood in Louisville, Ohio, in a neighborhood, not like out in the sticks of, like in a neighborhood, we're sitting at a campfire, it's the middle of July, we're just sitting there, whatever, cooking s'mores and a tractor just comes right down the street. All right, so don't give it, so if you grew up in a farming community, just raise your hand really quick or AKA Louisville, all right? All right. All right. So again, we can see this right away. How about this? Let's go this way. If you grew up in a, um, let's say like a traditional family home, if that was the way that you grew up, mom, dad were married, brother, sister, whatever, golden retriever, if that was the way you grew up, just raise your hand really quick. Okay. That's a lot of us. If you grew up in maybe a, like a blended family home, just raise your hand really quick. Someone remarried, you got stepbrothers, stepsisters, just raise your hand. 
Okay, if you grew up in like a single family home, just raise your hand really quick. If that was your context. All right, let's just keep going really quick. How about this one? If you grew up in a Christian home, I'm at church every single Sunday, no matter what. If that was your reality, raise your hand. Okay, if you grew up in a home where you were like Christian, like Christian uh, Christmas and Easter Christians, we call preachers call you uh, Christers. Okay, if that was you, uh, just raise your hand really quick. The only time you went was Christmas and Easter. If you grew up with no faith background at all, raise your hand. All right, we could do this all day long, right? Here's my point. There is a reason that you see people the way you do. And there is a reason that you treat people the way you do. See, I want to say this. I think this is significant. I'm just going to sort of, I want to make sure I get this right. So I'm going to read it however it written down here. It's this. And I think this is big. If you were going to take anything away from this message today, it's this, okay? God's kingdom and God's love is so much bigger than what your context can allow you to fathom. Let me say it again. God's kingdom and his love is so much bigger then what your context is even going to allow you to fathom. Because when God looks at you, he's not seeing a country boy. When God looks at you, he's not seeing a white guy. When God looks at you, he's not seeing suburbs. When God looks at you, it's hard for us. We got to like kind of talk ourselves out of some of these things that just molded us and shaped us to view people the way that we do. But when God looks at you, he's like, no way. And that's why here at FCC, we've been in the midst of this series. We're wrapping it up this morning called This Is Home. That's why we live by these four words right here at FCC, Jesus for you finish it. We started the series talking about next steps. Then we talked about how we want to be a church that has impact. Then last week we talked about family. Today I want to talk to you about all people and how we have to try. We as as the church have to try to see people the way Jesus does because Jesus is for everybody. Jesus is for everybody. If you're here this morning, maybe you're here for the first time, you're watching online here this morning, and you're like, man, I don't know if he's for me because I, I've got some issues, man. Welcome. I, me too. If you're like, I don't know, I, I don't even know if I should be here. I don't know if I should be tuning in. I don't know if I should be like, I, I, this, is, this is crazy. I've got such baggage. Look around you. We say it all the time, and I'm going to say it again. Here at FCC, we're not concerned white, black, addicted, sober, rich, poor. We just want to be a church that throws our arms open as wide as possible and says, no matter what you've got going on, man, we just we want to radically throw our arms open and say, come on in. And our hope and our prayer is that you will bump into Jesus along the way. Today we're going to talk about how Jesus is for all people. Say it with me. One, two, three. Jesus for all people. One, two, three. If you have a Bible, open up with me. We're going to be in, uh, we're going to be in 1 Timothy. Last week we were in 2 Timothy. Today we're, uh, we're just flipping back a couple pages to 1 Timothy. We're going to be in chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. And it's pretty simple. Not a lot to this. Here this morning, it's a little windy, so I'm going to use this stool to kind of help me out holding my notes here. Let's, let's get into it. Here's what it says. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 6, it says, 
I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. See, this is a letter, again, written from the Apostle Paul to his, his, his son in the faith, this kid named Timothy. And there's this phrase that we see not one time, not two times, but three times here in the text. These two words that, again, we rally around as a church. These two words that we say, man, if we're going to do anything as a church, let's be a church that just tries as challenging as it is, as hard as it is to remove ourselves from our own context, to try to remove ourselves from the way that our head is sort of shaped and molded and, and, and framed because of the ways that we, were, we grew up, the things that we were taught. But we want to remove ourselves from all of that, the way that we see people because we were, we were sort of taught. Man, we want to remove ourselves from all of that. We just want to see people the way you do, Jesus. And we see this phrase three times in this text. All people, all people, all people. Jesus for all people. And the first time that it's used here is different than the other two. The first time we're told, uh, Paul tells Timothy, he says, Timothy, when you pray, pray for all people. So this kind of gives us an understanding or a little bit of an idea of how uh, this phrase, all people, is supposed to be received by us. Because you and I, we can't pray for all people. That's not possible, right? You can't pray for everyone uh, on earth. It's not possible. And so it gives us an idea of how we're supposed to view this phrase. It might be better to, to view it this way. All kinds of people. Again, here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, Timothy, when you pray, uh, pray for all kinds of people. Here's what that means. Pray for people that didn't grow up in the suburbs like you did. Pray for people that didn't grow up on the farm like you did. Pray for people that don't have the same socioeconomic reality that you do. Pray for people that don't have the same skin color as you do. Pray for people that are going to vote for Biden. Pray for people that are going to vote for Trump. Pray for Biden. Pray for Trump. Pray for uh, all kinds of people. And there's something really crazy that happens when we open ourselves up to the opportunity, when we're willing to petition God, when we're willing to go to God and pray to God for people that are different than us, that view, thing, view people different than us, that, that are willing to treat. There's something crazy that happens as our heart starts to shift, and I believe our heart starts to look a little bit more like Jesus's, which leads to the, the use of this, these words, all people, the second and the third time in the text. The first time, Paul's telling Timothy, he says, I want you to pray for all people, all kinds of people. The second two times he uses that phrase in the, in the text, he's using it in terms of salvation. He's, he's talking about how God's love, God's kingdom is for everybody. God's kingdom is for any of those who would be willing to accept it. God's people is for, or God's love is for all kinds of people. 
See, let's take a look just one more time in just those two verses, verses five and six. Here's what Paul writes. He says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. Here's what Paul's saying. He's saying there's a God who loves you like a father. See, I, I've got three kids, as most of you guys know, and my little guy, Ash, he's, he's a cutie pie, but sometimes he can be a pain in the butt. Anyone else have a seven-year-old? That makes sense, okay? And sometimes he can be the sweetest little dude in the whole wide world, and other times I'm just like, boy, buddy, come on, man. But here's what we all know. There's nothing in the world that could make me not love him because the context that I view him through is not a suburb. It's not a small town versus big town. It's not rich versus poor. It's not addicted versus sober. It's not gay versus straight. It's not white versus black. The context in which I view my son is just dad, son. That's what Paul's saying here. He's saying there is, there's God the Father. And God the Father looks at you, looks at me, and he loves us with such a relentless, such a crazy, such an overwhelming amount of love. I've said this in the past. I've joked about it. I know I probably use a phrase too much, like a hopeless romantic who can't take a hint. That's God. And here we are on the other side, and we, in our sin, again, Paul writes in another place in Romans, he said, we've all fallen short of God's glory. Our sin separates us from God. So our sin has created this, this, this space that we can't bridge with any amount of good works. There's nothing that we can do. There's no way that we can remedy this distance between God and us. It's impossible. It is an impossibility. So here's what happens. You and I, because of our sin, deserve one thing, and that is death. You and I, because of our sin, deserve hell. But Paul says this too. Paul says a mediator was sent. And he came for all people. He came for all kinds of people. He came for white people and black people. He came for rich people and poor people. He came from Louisville people. He came for all people. And that mediator came and he took the punishment that you and I deserve. Because of our sin, we deserve hell. Because of our sin, we, we deserve eternity apart from, from God. And God the Father, looking at us through the context of father, child, said, let me fix this. And so here's what we're going to do. In just a minute... 
the band's going to come up and we're just going to sing and worship together. But I think there's some of us that are here this morning. And this has been a, a really challenging season for all of us. But I think there's some of us that are here this morning and you're like, man, I am. I have never felt more hopeless in my life. I have never felt more lost in my life. And you've been kind of putting this, this Jesus thing off for a while. And maybe, maybe this morning is the, the moment where you're going to say, hey, once and for, I just, something's got to change. Maybe you're looking for identity. Maybe you're looking for purpose. Maybe this morning you're just in a place where you're just like, you're just, it just, it's, it's time. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for years, but you've never been obedient in baptism. So like I said, in just a minute, the band, they're going to start playing. We're just going to, we're going to worship and we're going to celebrate. But if you're here this morning and you've never made a decision for Jesus, you've never pressed in. There is a mediator who came and died and took your punishment so that you could be saved, so that you could be remedied. Your sin could be taken care of so that you could be brought into restoration with a God who doesn't view you from any sort of other context or any other lens or any other, like, like he looks at you and he says, sometimes you can do some boneheaded stuff, but man, I love you. When we say Jesus for all people, I hear this all the time. People say to me, man, Ryan, I want to I, I wanna get baptized, but I just feel like I got to straighten some stuff out in my life first. And that doesn't make sense to me because Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and burdened. He doesn't say, hey, you know what? Before you come to me, make sure you get all your stuff figured out. He says, come to me and I'll help you figure it out. People say, I, I want to get baptized, Ryan, but before I do, let me, uh, I just got to, I got to make sure this, the sin is sort of cleaned up. And that's like saying, uh, hey, I'm going to, I got to go take a shower before I take a bath. I think today is the day for some of us. I think today is the day that we're going to make a decision. There's a lot of junk, a lot of bad stuff that's happened from COVID. But I believe, I believe God can bring some good out of it too. And what if, what if this season finally puts you in the place where you were willing to say, Jesus, I need you. And so if that's you, if you're here today and you're saying, I think I, I'm ready. I want to make a decision for Jesus. Here's what we're going to ask. There's an area right over here in front of our B doors. that says baptism check-in. You don't have to have told us beforehand. If you're just sitting here right now and you're like, this is it. I'm ready to do this. We just want you to get up and make your way over to the baptism check-in area. We have a change of clothes. We got blow dryers in the bathroom. We got towels ready to go. The tub is heated up. It's going to feel good. All right. It's going to be a celebration, a party here today. Amen. 
And so let's celebrate together. Again, if that is you, if you are ready to make a decision for Jesus, whether you told us ahead of time or not, just get up and go over there and we're going to do this. We're going to follow the Spirit's lead. We're going to follow his prompting. Let me pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to gather here together, to gather online, to celebrate together. God, I know that maybe there are some that are watching online and they're like, man, I want to do this. I want to get, man, I I just pray that they'll follow the Spirit's prompting that they'll go to our website, go to hub.firstchristian.com. They'll sign up to get baptized at a later time there. But God, for those that are here in the parking lot now, may we step out in faith. May we follow your lead. Thank you, Jesus, that you don't view us through the lens of small town versus big city. That you don't view us through all these other contexts that, that we are formed, that you just look at us and you say, now I'm your dad. Father, we love you. Spirit, move in this place now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship together. Come on, let's stand and worship. Again, if that's you here this morning and you're saying, I'm ready, I want to do this. I want to, I'm just ready to take this step of faith. Don't do the thing that you're thinking about doing where you just stay there. Don't do the thing where you're just going to sort of stand in place. If the Spirit of God is working and prompting and moving in you, it's time. Get up out of your seat. Make your way over here to our B-doors and we would love to celebrate baptism with you. Let's worship together. Hey, thanks again for tuning in with us. I hope this message was an encouragement to you. If you'd like to take a next step in your faith, you can find out more on how to do that by visiting hub.firstchristian.com. Again, thanks. We'll see you soon.